Chacha Pinks. You are listening to Behind the Lens. And yes, you are listening to Behind the Lens. Shaking things up a little bit this morning again this week. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens. You can find me 24-7 in 140-plus outlets around the world, printing online and with interviews and reviews, and every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Adrenaline Radio. And what you just heard was from the Badleys, Beyond These Walls, any of our regular listeners Heard uh, more about the Badleys last week uh, with the film All in Time. And we're going to have two of the stars of the film of All in Time joining us this week at 1130. One, the the acclaimed Lynn Cohen and uh, also Josh Burrow, who all of you may know is Captain Morgan in the Captain Morgan rum commercials. But right here for the hour, who's trying desperately not to laugh at me and make fun of me. Is, is my compadre, my partner in crime, a, a wonderful friend and a great film critic, Michael Snyder, the culture blaster himself. Thank you, Debbie. Nice to be here. Nice to be on board. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. Speaking of Captain Morgan, I yes. feel like, you know, this is a ship that's plowing straight forward. We're on a voyage of discovery. Which ship? Oh, it's a good ship, Debbie. Oh. We're fine. We're fine. Well, I am thrilled to have you here, you know, because normally you're up you're up north in the Bay Area. Well, I, I split my time between the two cities, uh, San Francisco and Los Angeles. But to be frank with you, this is where the action is. Uh, Southern California, in particular Los Angeles and Hollywood, um, it's the business. It's the business we're in. And there's far more popping here. Um, and with all the, the tech growth up in the Northern California area, there hasn't been a comparable uh, growth in uh, arts and, uh, and arts financing. And so a lot of that has just traveled south uh, over the past 10, 15 years to the point where um, I would rather be here um, on a work visa, if you will, <laughs> than in my beautiful hometown of San Francisco. Love it. Lo- Los Angeles, love it. Love the people. Love the work, company town, and artist colony. I just hate the um, the sports teams. I am a San Francisco, uh, you know, patriot, if you will. I follow the Philadelphia Eagles. And as you know, we are both <laughs> originally Philadelphia natives. Yes, we are. Yeah, so we do share that in common. And I uh, I follow uh, our home teams. Yes, the one team that trumps all Bay Area teams for me in terms of uh, professional sports. The Philadelphia Flyers hockey team. Oh, absolutely. I love them beyond all imagining. I don't care about the San, uh, the San Jose Sharks. but The Flyers. The Flyers are the deal. And it, it's helpful for me. Just let's call it a sidebar. Yes. The Warriors, our champion Golden State Warriors, well, the previous year's champion, in fact, began in Philadelphia as the Philadelphia Warriors and moved, and moved. to the Bay Area in the 60s. And I still have, I mean, geographically speaking, I love them twice as much. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not big I'm not big on, you know, basketball and hockey I love, but still for me, the Flyers, back in the 80s in the heyday with Bobby Clark, Bernie Perrant, Dave Schultz, Rick McLeish, Billy Barber, though, that was hockey. It was. And, uh, you know, it always killed me that they weren't able to do anything um, – of that kind of potency on a championship level in after. so in so long yeah. after that. But it you know, we have had the joy of the Stanley Cup in Philly. Yes. So it's okay. Yes, and I still remember when we won it for the first time and that was you know, that was amazing. Amazing. Madness. But uh you know, moving on, um uh, 
Any sports films that you love? That's kind of a little out of left field. But, you know, there are a lot of sports films that I love. Obviously, the Rocky series, considering I worked on two of them, and the paychecks didn't bounce. And set in the city of brotherly love. Set in the city of brotherly love. Another one that was set in Philly and shot in Philly, Invincible, starring Mark Wahlberg. And then we have the new one coming out. Have you seen it yet? Bleed for this. Um, I am actually seeing it today, uh, Monday, and I don't know when people are going to necessarily catch up to this I, programming. But you Well, know, we're going out live right we're now. We're live, so it would be tonight. And, and you know, you, you people that check it out on the podcast level, I'm sorry. You've missed Bleed for us. I could have taken you, but, <laughs> but you didn't contact me as – as uh, as my guest. Well, and you know, and because I know we're still under embargo on that, um, all what I will say is, it is a great telling of the story of Rhode Island's Vinnie Paz. But anybody from the tri-state area back east, any boxing fans, you know who Vinnie Paz is. I mean, I actually saw Vinnie Paz uh, box with Joe Frazier Jr., not Marvis, Joe Jr. Mm. So. Yeah, you know, it's it's a very worthwhile film to see, and Miles Miles Teller just embodies Vinny amazingly. He buffed it up, did he? That to put it mildly. Well, we will see tonight, and I'm I'm very much uh, looking forward to it. It's an interesting week uh, uh, for those of us who do reviews and such, mm-hmm. because we have the J.K. Rowling prequel, right. Fantastic Beasts, yep. Dot dot dot. And a few other things, including, I believe, a uh, Brad Pitt World War II espionage movie yes, called... Yes, Allied, which have you seen yet? I have not. I have. And uh, should I prepare myself for uh, thrills and chills aplenty? I, or are we still I, under embargo? I think I'm under embargo okay, until, until tonight. It might have lifted at 12.01 this morning, but I don't have my calendar in front of me with my embargoes. Um, so I, rather than get myself in trouble with Paramount... I will, I will refrain from comment. One way or the other. Anyway, I'm looking forward to it. One of the joys of doing this uh, uh, career-wise is having access to incredible films, marvelous yeah. films that you wouldn't normally have the opportunity to see, foreign and independent yeah. stuff. Um, blockbusters and uh, prestige studio movies, you know, they're around. We're getting bombarded with advertising. but Especially right now because we're in, we are in award season. Uh, time for nominations, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I will say right now, um, without going into any great depth, um, some performances and some movies are absolutely rising like cream yeah. for me. Um, and uh, I do the movie no disservice, and I don't know if there's an embargo, and I, I will say I don't care. But if people like <laughs> drama and uh, and human uh, interaction and the human condition and uh, – the real emotion that's involved in, in dealing with tragedy and challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, Manchester by the Sea is stunning. Is one of the best films I've seen this year. Yeah. And I will say, in a in a rather small role, I mean, I'm talking very brief screen mm-hmm. time, Michelle Williams gives maybe yeah. the best performance of her career. I, I think that's fair to say it's the most genuine. I was I was stunned, and um, I'm writing about it for um, next month. I do a monthly column uh, in the Marina Times, which you can get online at marinatimes.com, and it's also a Bay Area publication. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm down here, I'm keeping my hand in up there, um, and that's the lead review for the December issue. Yeah, I'm actually doing uh, below-the-line interviews on Manchester this week, starting tomorrow with uh, the sound designer. It's so it's I'm, a terrific film. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. You know, other good ones that are coming up, Jackie. I have not seen it. Looking forward to it. Natalie Portman as Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy. Kennedy yes. And it, but I got to tell you, a, another, a standout. It's the best performance. It's better than what she even did with Black Swan. But equally superb is Peter Sarsgaard as Bobby Kennedy. Well, I'm looking forward to yeah. to that film, and if I may throw one in, and yes. I don't care, again, if there's an embargo, it's a wonderful film. People should see it. It's called Lion, and mm-hmm. it's based on a true story. And I don't know if you've heard the phrase, uh, you know, uh, what, what's how's the phrase go? Uh, you know, uh, you you couldn't make this up. You couldn't make this story I'm up. I'm dying to see it. There was a special screening the other night. I could not make it because of conflicts, because I was seeing Moana in order to do the press junket yesterday. Mm. And uh, 
I'll be writing and talking about Moana next week before it opens on the 23rd. But suffice to say, it is absolutely stunning and beautiful. Go see it. It'll be great for Thanksgiving weekend for the family. Um, but, yeah, so I missed it. But there are other screenings coming up, and that is definitely on my high on my list. I encourage you to see it. It was uh, I was at the AFI showing, and, uh, you know, I, I don't do festivals, generally I know speaking. You don't. But when given an opportunity to see a movie uh, prior to release for review – if I can get in, I will. And in this case, there was a Q&A afterwards with uh, the writer of the film, yeah. with Nicole Kidman, with uh, Dev Patel. Rub it in, rub it uh, in. Well, no, 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 no. It was, very <laughs> mod- it was a modest Q&A. Because no, I, I, was, I was dying because I really wanted to go to that one for the Q&A. And I had, I had to go up to Burbank for this, Moana. This was the second time I've been in a room with Nicole Kidman. Shall I tell you just a, a quick answer? I'm afraid to hear it. No, no, no. So I'm, I'm meeting somebody. I, I've never gone on record with this, and it's really kind of kind of amazing. Um, I'm meeting someone at the Polo Lounge. I, I mean, look at me. I mean, if those of you who are watching on video, well, I they'll, look like they'll, a, like, they'll get to see it in, in the podcast on YouTube. <laughs> I look like some sort of overage bike messenger. I don't look like anybody important. And I'm wandering into the Polo Lounge to meet a friend uh, to discuss a project. And as I'm coming in, I see a woman all in black coming out of the relatively dim light of the Polo Lounge bar area. She's coming from the dining area through the bar area to the exit. Mm -hmm. And as I get a little closer, I realize it's Nicole Kidman. And she's in black. She might have even been wearing a cat suit. Maybe that's my memory playing. I don't mean as in like, yeah. I don't mean like Halloween, but I mean, she seemed to be all in black, like black slacks, black top, black jacket. Her face was incandescent. It was like, you know, the, the phrase, oh my God, they're like heavenly bodies. Yes. The stars are like, she yeah. has, has an inner light yeah. in this dim room and she's coming at me and we lock eyes. And she smiles at me, and as she approaches me, she goes, oh, my, how are you? And I'm going, she thinks I'm someone else. She thinks I'm a friend of (laughs) Keith Urban's, perhaps, because who else would I possibly be? It's very possible. Or a screenwriter. Yeah. You know, I am, but, you know, I'm not. A screenwriter. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get to that but, later in the but, show. But I'm like, who? What? And I I I know I don't know what to say. I say, I'm great. And how are you? She goes, wonderful. And I go, lovely to see you. And she goes, same. And she passes me. And I'm like thinking, did that just happen? <laughs> but anyway, she was at the Q and A. I joined my friend uh, in the bar, and I I said, uh, I just uh, uh, I mean I'm. Seldom rendered speechless. I know that, but but you understand star quality if you're ever in her company. Yes, let's put it that way. Yeah. It was shocking to me. It's one of the few times where I've totally felt the magnetism of, mm-hmm. of a yeah. film star, and it was just crazy. Yeah, you know, still, you know, you, you give okay performances sometimes, eh, at other times, and then great ones. Nicole, let me tell you, you know, you are a talent. Yes. It, well, you know, we're going to take a short break right now. We're going to come back, and before I and I don't want to overlook this lovely gentleman that's also going to be calling in today. Ben, writer director Ben Melman will be joining us to talk about. I blame it on Monty. I blame Monty Hall. So, we'll be right back. It's time to get crazy with Crazy Bitches 2. That's right. The team behind Crazy Bitches is back and needs your help to bring Crazy Bitches 2 to life. You can back the film and do your holiday shopping at the same time thanks to fun swag and exciting opportunities that will ship just in time to put under or on your tree. Christmas ornaments turn deadly when mommies behave badly and someone can't take it anymore. So go crazy. Join the Crazy Bee Nation and go to the Indiegogo campaign at igg.me backslash at backslash Crazy BS2. Crazy Bee Nation. Crazy Bitches 2. Hi, this is Jerry Cruz, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. 
Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org or text diploma to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. That's diploma to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. And welcome back to Behind the Lens. And I'm Debbie Elias. Sitting here with me today is Michael Snyder. And yes, Brian. Brian has not gotten to do Star Wars Countdown yet, so hopefully we'll get to that in the last last half of the show because we have to do Star Wars Countdown because Michael Sandoval will be very upset if we don't do it. Um, but right now we have joining us, is this the wonderful writer-director Ben Melman? Hey, how are you? Sorry, that's a lot better. I had to move for a moment, but now I can hear you perfectly. <laughs> hey, Ben, how you doing? I'm good. And yourself? I am fine. Thank you so much for joining us today. I even Thank have you so much for having me. I even have a fellow film critic here in studio today, Michael Snyder. Oh, uh, hey, Michael. How are you? I'm good, Ben. How are you doing? Uh, you know, I can't complain. Just kind of hitting the week, uh, hitting the week going. Well, you know, I'm so, uh, as you know, I'm so excited with your short, I Blame Monty Hall. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to hear when people enjoy it. You know, where did the idea, because, you know, Reed, your producer and, you know, your leading lady, Reed Cox, spoke, we spoke at length about this the other day, but there's, you know, you were the, you're the writer, you're the author, the screenwriter, Mm -hmm. you know, the visionary who put this together. Where, (laughs) where did the idea for this film, this short, come from? Well, uh, I always liked kind of the Twilight Zone and some genre-y type things, and Reed and I were talking about potentially working on some projects, and she had her house, and it's just kind of really cool, old, like, Hollywood feel to it, and I was just kind of honestly staring at that door, and I was like, hmm, and I've always personally been very intrigued by the idea of personal responsibility and the idea of kind of ignoring, like, kind of the signs that are coming at you. And I always enjoyed the idea of taking, like, a twist and really playing around with it. So I was trying to kind of take more of, like, how Robert Rodriguez did with El Mariachi. Of like, all right, I have a great actress. I have this location. I have these kind of genre things I like to play around with. What kind of fits into this mold in a way that is really fun and I can really challenge myself to do something where – we don't have to do anything too expansive, but it feels like it's a complete uh, whole story. And how do you, when you were writing this, mm-hmm. because your visuals are so distinctive here, and I know that uh, Reed and I had talked about Julia Swan, who is your DP on this. You've got some yeah. wonderful camera pullback going on, um, you know, great dutching of the camera, really interesting angles. How do you, as a director, did you you know, storyboard this out while you were writing and creating? Did the visual design come to you afterwards? It's always interesting when the director is doing, is wearing multiple hats as to, you know, is it a meld or is it, what, is it the chicken and the egg situation? Well, when I'm writing, I try not to get too ahead of myself with the directing stuff. So what I do is, you know, I'll write it if something comes up, especially since I knew I was directing it, I will... Uh, really focus on, okay, cool, this could be a good visual moment, but I wait until I get to a point where I say, okay, this is really close to what we want to do, and then with the cinematographer, we will beat out everything, and, you know, Julia is so unbelievably talented, and what I try to do with really any of the department heads Mm -hmm. is that, you know, once they come on board to see what their instincts are and how they might want to try to go with something and then collaborate together to try to go towards that. So with this, um, we worked together. I did the first draft of uh, the storyboarding. I actually had this really cool app on my iPad where you could actually um, animate exactly where the camera angles are and everything. And for this, it was really important because I feel like a lot of filmmaking now is really about like a lot of shake and a lot of like multiple cutting and everything. And I'm 
little more of a fan of David Fincher style or Stanley Kubrick, where the camera placement is extremely intentional and the movement is there to really uh, try to drive home a point, but also shooting it in a way that you can also have uh, some variety when you're editing because I don't really want to, you know, back myself into a corner where if I'm shooting something, I also go, okay, this is the only way. And, you know, the last part of a movie is editing and I think it's important to have intention, but to be able to let that evolve through the process. Mm-hmm. Now, how important... Because for the whole mood, the the tonal bandwidth and the mood, the emotional mood of I Blame Monty Hall, how important was having that house that you shot in with those dark woods, with those narrow halls? Because all of that just feeds into what what we're seeing unfold. And I have to be mysterious, listeners, because otherwise I, I it I'll, it'll be massive spoilers. We don't want to do that. Right. I'm sitting here going, hmm, what, what did Monty Hall do? Did he not make the deal? Is that what's going on <laughs> yeah. here? I've not seen this funny. thing, so I, I do apologize for my ignorance on it. But it's certainly a provocative title is all I'm saying. Exactly. Well, people have been enjoying the title. And I kind of, you know, it's hard when you're an up-and-coming filmmaker to kind of have things be a little mysterious and whatnot. But I, you know, enjoyed even with Tarantino with Reservoir Dogs how that title means something to him, but so many people come in and guess, and it's been really fun to have people try to guess and interpret what the title has meant. And to go to your question about the house, yeah, I think it's really the only way that it could have been shot. You know, Reed was amazing enough to let us shoot there, and it really was conceived through that. I've done enough films before this to really know that it's very important to understand also the limitations of what you can do budget-wise and to really stretch uh, how you, how you can uh, shoot and really get the most out of something. So a lot of it was, you know, pre-production and doing a lot of stills. And even, you know, for some of the more elaborate shots were some visual effects shots. So there were some shots that we actually had to manipulate the image. And a lot of that was me teaching myself after effects, knowing that, this was how we wanted to do it, and I had to make sure in pre-production that I was able to pull it off before we shot it. Now, did you edit this? You did you edit this one yourself, Ben? No. So um, I got really, really lucky with an amazing editor. His name is Trevor Baker, and we did a music video before this. And he is unbelievably talented, and is you know making a great uh, stamp as an editor himself. He's working on. Uh, narcos right now and i was lucky enough to be able to uh convince him to help me out in between uh you know uh, his off time uh between two seasons and uh we were definitely in the room but i want to make sure that i give him all the credit in the world i don't think the movie would have turned out uh the way it was without him so these connections that you make i um, my assumption is that you're working out of the la area am i right or wrong on that uh, yes, I am. So, the, the, again, uh, to the point I made earlier, we're in the middle of this artist colony down here, and there are all these incredibly talented people. I mean, I've had good fortune in terms of the short film that I wrote that's currently on the festival circuit because, I, you know, I had contacts with people that had incredible talent, incredible skill, and we were able to bring that to bear. So I guess you really, you know, when you think about lucking out, no, you're in the right place to meet the guy who's editing, you know, who's working on Narcos, which is a, a massively yeah. uh, successful and, mm. and powerful uh, miniseries that we're seeing. I guess it's going into um, more production, as you're saying. So, you know, yeah. it makes sense, basically. Exactly, and I think that with a project at this scale, because we shot it for basically nothing, and I'm sure you understand, too, with, you know, shorts, it's kind of counterintuitive, but sometimes I think you really need to, like, give people an out to say no, honestly, because, you know, we don't have much money to pay for them, and a lot of it has to be passion, and I think that, for me, the way that we were able to get a lot of uh, so many great people was, for me, in the first meeting, to be like, look, you're amazingly talented, and, like, if this amount of money is not uh, something that you are able to work for anymore, if you're above this, if, you know, it's not something that is right for you right now, then that is amazing, and I wish you the best of luck, and I hope that we get to a point where I can afford this. But I think that um, it's important to try to give yourself a scenario where you can have people who are really doing it because they're very passionate about it, and to also not hold it against someone if they, you know, 
are further, further enough in their career that, you know, they don't need to do, you know, a lower budget short. You know, that's great for them. Mm-hmm. Now, something I, I've got to ask you about, because I really took note of it as I was watching and listening, is your, your music, Ian Reese did your music. How did you yeah. find, how did you find Ian? And what were those discussions and conversations like to come up with the, the musical palette that you have? I mean, I cannot say enough amazing things about Ian. He and I have been working together for about four years. He did a short that I did with his, uh, with his, uh, composing partner, uh, Garrett Crosby. This short I did called Between the Forest and the Field. And then I did a music video for Ian and, um, his band right before this. And Garrett was unable to fully work on this one because he was actually about to have his first child, which is completely understandable and something for, you know, <laughs> them to be able to focus on so with ian i've always loved working with him and he is think is probably the best example of someone where i give him very little direction because he's so talented where i just say what are your instincts and then we really go back and forth and do like oh god some of the passes we did like maybe 15 16 passes of each score but i think it's so important that we really push each other to try to do it and i really try to tell him like okay i want to know what your instincts these are some of the influences and kind of things that go with it but i really try to push him uh to try to be extremely experimental and to really because he's classically trained to really uh in the moment if it doesn't work musically like as a composer but it feels right to really push that and do that and you know, he did an amazing job. And even, like, the end credit song was all him. Oh, and that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. You know, what were so You mentioned, you know, influences. So what were the musical influences that you suggested to him? So, I mean, I really love what Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are doing right now. I think that between you know, the Gone Girl score, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, they do a really fun, ambient feel and I enjoy a lot of atmospheric uh, music, especially for something like this. And then for the ending, as you know, because you've seen it, uh, it really turns up the volume at the end because mm-hmm. I want it to really hit because I really wanted to try to make a movie that kind of slapped you at the end and wanted you to try to go back and rewatch and pick up things you haven't seen before. So a lot of it was restraint and kind of just playing towards the tension of Kate Reed's character emotionally as it gets racked up more and more and more like it's a vice. Mm-hmm. Like, I would almost use some music terms, but more uh, emotional feeling, kind of like the music is a vice going more and more and more and more uh, until the end, until it finally releases. Well, where can people see I Blame Monty Hall? Well, we have our website, which is www.iblamemontyhall.com or look for it on YouTube. It'll be very easy to find it is up there for everyone to watch well i ben i can't thank you enough for joining us today i am so glad that after i had read on i said hey ben come do the show (laughs) it's an absolute pleasure i'm beyond excited to be on it and it's great to talk to uh, people who really enjoy it so thank you so much and i hope you will come back on the show with your next project i would be more than happy to i uh, look forward to it and enjoy everything you're doing. Terrific. Thank you so much, Ben. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Ben Melman, writer, director of I Blame Monty Hall. And I know Brian's back there playing with phones because he's going to be getting Lynn Cohen and Josh Burrow. You know, it's too bad Josh isn't here. Maybe he could have brought us some, you know, samples of Captain Morgan. A little juice. To no, we don't. Old, we don't do that here. To, to get the old juices flowing. Okay, I'm trying to figure out what Brian. What Brian is telling Brian. What are you telling me right now? We have our second guest on. Well, we're getting two at 11:30. Oh, okay. So we only have one. We, sorry, oh. when when I answer the phone, I'm sorry. Just to, I mean, I know you can see me to let the audience know, so they don't think that I'm just goofing off of here, which I am. <laughs> uh, when whenever someone calls, I have to take off my headphones and answer the phone because I'm a one man crew back here, so I can't hear anything that's going on as I'm answering the phone. So if you guys were saying nice stuff about me, I'd like for you to repeat it. <laughs> uh, okay, who do we have on the line? You don't know. You don't know. He's shrugging his shoulders. 
It's one of two people. Tell me. Yeah, tell me one of the two names and I'll let you know. Is it Lynn? Okay. Well, then let's go ahead and we'll start with Lynn and we'll do more music and stuff later. But I am so excited to welcome this lovely lady to Behind the Lens, Lynn Cohen. Hello, Lynn. Hello. How are you? I am fine. I am so thrilled. The last time you and I talked was at L.A. Film Festival in 2010 for Hello Lonesome. Up oh, on, yes. Up on top of the garage roof, you were, you were one of my must-see festival films. You went on to win the jury prize for Best Ensemble Performance. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I mean, I, you are, and since then, I mean, we've seen you in Hunger Games. I mean, most people know you for your indelible performances, Golda Meir in Munich. Um, oh. You have just been everywhere. You you are a staple of our, oh, of our, of our television oh, and movie oh, going. I just keep knocking on doors. That's what I keep doing. <laughs> well, you're opening a whole lot of them. And, you know, right now, here, I know we're going to talk about All in Time today, but also it is National Pickle Day. And you do have another film out that is very, very timely, The Pickle Recipe. Is really, there's such a thing as a national, Na- yeah. National Pickle Day, and that is today. Good Lord. (laughs) Yeah. So I think everybody needs to see the pickle recipe today as well. Well, if it's... uh, Now, you know, my my voice is repeating. Can you hear that? Uh, No, we're not not getting a repeat on our end. Okay. (laughs) I'm hearing my voice back, (laughs) which means there's two of me. (laughs) <laughs> for the price of one, for God's sake. Um, uh, yeah, I actually am doing a, a reading of a play at the wonderful Westport Playhouse. So, uh, you know, this never stops. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what keeps you young, Lynn. Oh, I'm married to a perfect man. I think that's something to Aww. do with that. You know, what is it? Because... Unlike most established actors, you really cater to and embrace these first-time directors, these young directors. You did it with Adam, with Hello Lonesome. Yes. You've done it now on All in Time with Chris. What What is the magic of that for you? So, you know, you've done, you know, you've worked with Spielberg and you've done, you know, Hunger Games. Yes, yes. You don't need to do, to work on little, little, tiny little indie projects, yet you do. I don't even know what an indie project is, you know, I'm so dumb. I, I, I go by what the material is. So, you know, if it's, uh, if it's a human being I'd like to bring to life, mm-hmm. then that's that I'm there, Period. I'm, I'm not interested in cliches, but I am interesting, uh, interested in uh, humanity. I, mean, I think that's the joy of being an actor. Well, and, you know, actually joining us right now with you, Lynn, is one of your co-stars, the fabulous Josh Burrow. I hear you, Lynn. Oh, he's very gorgeous. Yeah, you know, how, now how is that? Now, let, let's cover it. Cover your ears, Josh. You know, Lynn, how is it to be on a set with such a fine-looking specimen like Josh? It's fun. (laughs) Dear God. God. I heard it. I couldn't cover my ears. I am bad. That's my mission in life. Well, Uh, i got to tell you, it was my pleasure and honor to work with and be on set with Lynn. I mean, it it was inspirational. Seriously. The smile. She's got a contagious smile. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, no. oh, I'm glad I made this phone call. That's good. I'm Josh, going to tell my no. husband about Josh, I'll, you're, gush, you're, I'll gush all day long on you. You're right. Oh, you know, Josh, you're, all right. you're, well, Josh is very right. You want to meet for lunch? <laughs> Let's cook it. Let's just get an early afternoon cocktail. Uh, love it. And then we can have a late afternoon also. <laughs> you see what you're starting here? <laughs> I like instigating things, especially with with two incredible people like this. I don't know if you heard, Josh, but 
Lynn and I actually interviewed six years ago. Yes. And for a performance of hers that I still love to this day in Hello Lonesome. Uh, so yes. every chance I get to see her in something, it, it just, it, it's fabulous. Yeah. Would you mind if I, <laughs> uh, listen, you mind if I just take you with me wherever I go, just every once in a while? Of so course. I wonder, why am I doing this insane thing? Of, um, I will go anywhere you want, Lynn. Okay. I, I will well, go, I will go okay. anywhere with you. What? Okay. You know what? You, you know what? It's so uh, refreshing, I guess, to hear you say that, Lynn, about why am I doing this thing? And, yes, you know, yes. You've been in the game for a long time. I've been in it for a while. And I still sometimes go, what am I doing? Right. Uh, not, not because of lack of passion or love. It's just, it's, it's a, it's thug life. It's a, it's survival, you know, sometimes. It ain't easy. Well, nothing... Nothing that's worthwhile is easy. I really feel that. And if you have to do it, uh, then you must. And if you, if there's any other options in life, like, you know, climbing mountains, <laughs> do that because it might be easier. Um, but it's, it's a gift to be able to spend your life with a perfect human being, which I have in my life and great children, and to be able to do the work that you were meant to do. You know, I want to ask both of you, when you get a script like All in Time, you know, sent to you, especially with this one, what was it about this script that spoke to you, especially for you, Josh, because you're coming into this, you've got part of a real life band with their real music that's being played, you're joining with some of the real band members, but... You know, Chris needed a very moody person who could pull off the role of Glenn. <laughs> so, you know, you get a, you get this script, which is just, it's original, it's creative. I mean, I just think it's absolutely charming. And you get to shoot in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. So, Yahoo. hey, you know, I'm I'm from Philly, and, and my sidekick here today, Michael Snyder, he's also from Philly. So we know Wilkes-Barre. I love Philadelphia. I've we, worked there twice. I love it. What a city. We know we know Philly, and we know uh, the, we know Wilkes-Barre, <laughs> and we also know the uh, the whole Delaware Valley. Yes. So you know. so I've heard it. Wilkes-Barre, Wilkes-Bar, Wilkes-Bar. What is what is it? I spent my whole life growing up in Philly, calling it Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, that's. I think that's what it is. <laughs> Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. Wilkes-Barre. No you just light emphasis on that last RE, ever so light. <laughs> so when, uh, I, to answer the question, I what attracted to me me to it was like I I'm not a musician. And so the challenge to uh I'm sorry to admit to anyone that saw this that I'm not a musician, but You I'm were not, awfully believable. But, well thank you. I, for me it was <laughs> I, I thought you thinking, were. Man, yes. This is going to require a different kind of focus, and if I can, and so it, I worked on becoming a believable uh, musician first, and then the relationship because I, I was struggling with that, so that kind of just poured over into struggling with my relationship with Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just the challenge of. And of that and also wanting to feel like a rock star because you know we go to concerts and stuff and they rock stars are a different breed and i i mean there were moments up there when we were at the live audience and i was doing my thing and i was i had to sing a you know i have to sing and so i talked to the real lead singer and i'm like i don't know what's going on man i don't know if i'm i'm not feeling he goes pick somebody and sing to them, and I go, mm-hmm. oh, my, oh, my God, why didn't I ask you sooner? So uh, I did that, and it was amazing. I honestly thought, and it was, I, I was the, the rock star for that, that moment. Well, is that something that, because I know you've done a lot of theater, is that something that, that because uh, I know some people in the theater, they, they do that as well when they're when they're about to perform live. They'll pick somebody to focus on in the audience. Have you ever done that with 
acting. Uh, Josh, uh, you talking yeah. to Josh or Lynn? For both of you, actually. Go ahead. Yeah. Lynn. I know. My, what I do on the, I really believe that I'm no better than the person I'm working with. I have, if I have to be working with really good people, I have a chance of coming out uh, pretty fair. Uh, you know, for me, they, my focus on the stage is what's happening, what I need, what must I get from the other person, or or what, what do I need from this moment? Uh, what do I need to go on with my life in one way or another, even with the comedy? Sometimes with the comedy, it's even, it's even pushed farther. Uh, you know, if I don't get this, I'll go, you know... Hang myself or whatever, <laughs> but uh, that's what it is for me. It's the other human beings on the stage. Lynn, I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, it's it's Michael. Uh, you know, it's not uh, um, it's not off book particularly. But do you feel um, the need to stay on book with the scripts? Do you do you hold the scripts to be sanctified, or the words um, you know kind of a litany that you have to know inside it's out? Re- yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, if you if you're working in a play, yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Particularly if it's a great playwright. But even if it's you know, and one one only hopes that one works with the best. Yes, you must do that. And I I believe the same in film. When you're working with Spielberg, and, and uh, you know you have this amazing script, and the words were everything was really honored. There was no ad libbing. Uh, if you, when you work with Woody Allen, it's really amazing because he says, when you first walk in, you know, you don't have to say the, everything exactly like I wrote it. Uh, and I, he, and he loves to improvise, and I love improvising. But also, I knew, because his, he's really a genius, I knew where the jokes were. I know where the, where the humor was. And, and those words you really, I really clung to. So, um, so Woody Allen gives you a little latitude, but at the same time, his stuff is so uh, you know solid oh, and locked it, in. Why even bother? It, yeah, it's just uh, amazing. And um, but he did tell me that's the first thing he said. You don't really have to say all the words like I wrote them. And we did we did improvise stuff, and with Diane Keaton the same way. And of course, that's very you know second nature to her. But 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 uh, I I knew where the words had to be, what he wrote. And if he is a genius, as, as Spielberg is, is too. And um, it, it's, um, you respect those scripts. And what about, for, what yes. about for you, Josh? Um, so pretty much very similar. Um, and with Woody, I've, I've auditioned for him. He's like, you know what? Say what you want to say. Uh, and I, you know, so I did his words a few times, and then I said mine, and he's actually like, "I wow, I actually like your words better than mine." <laughs> um, so, so that is for me, you know, most directors are are different. So I think, kind of early on, you know who wants you to stick to the words and who doesn't. I will, I, I honor the words just like Lynn, but I, I too, really, you know, one extra word might what might help me get into it farther or deeper. So I do add a little bit here and there. Okay. Well, this, this begs the big question, Josh, what have you added to the captain Morgan character? (laughs) I mean, that, that's probably everything (laughs) because that was, we didn't know what we were doing as far as, uh, we started out from scratch. I mean, I read, everything I could about him and, and how the real Captain Henry Morgan came to be. And I think what I just pulled from that is that everybody wanted to, to uh, hang out with him or be, you know, be on his team. So I think that's what I focused on is being, being the guy that every guy wanted to hang out with and every girl wanted to be with, you know, charming or, or, and dangerous and whatever. But it was, that was, I mean, I'm not even kidding. That might be the best job I've ever had. I just wanted to mention one more thing. The words in Munich were, were written by Tony Kushner, well. mm. who is a, a genius. And to be in the room with both those guys was 
really something. Okay, so you're in the room with both those guys at one point, and now you're in a room with Chris with Chris Fetchko and Marina Donahue. How, yes. How do you? Is this like apples? I loved and it. I loved it because you know why they come from different places, and, oh, yeah. and but they 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 both have the same goal, but they came from from different places. I mean. Uh, uh, and, and Marina's daughter is in them. She plays the waitress, and she, uh, you know, she walks on and she walks off, and she gets a laugh with the biggest laugh in the in the whole film. Uh, but they come from different places because uh, Chris would say one thing, and I understood exactly what he said. And then Marina would could would throw in a something that just had to do with a woman, that just had to do with a woman who was in love. Mm-hmm who had a husband, who lost a husband, who loved this young man. Um, so it was the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And what about, I agree. I was going to say, Josh, because, yeah, I mean, you've done, you know, plays by Sam Shepard, and, you know, you're no slouch in front of the camera <laughs> or on stage. So, <laughs> you know, how how is it for you to go from something as storied as a Shepard play to doing, you know, all in time with Chris and Marina. Um, so just echoing what Lynn said, it is, it is the best of both worlds because Chris has kind of laid it out in a, in a kind of a linear factual way. And I, you know, you understand what he's looking for and what he wants. And then Marina comes in and colors, shades it in. So you can, you know, um, you can be more human. Like, I guess, obviously, that's the goal. But uh, I was, my first few, few uh, scenes, I was not exactly likable. I, play, I was a little on the very moody side. And, and, you know, with Marina's rewrites and stuff, it's, you need to care about the bad guy, too. Mm-hmm. So we added that stuff, and I guess in the test, the test uh, screenings, it, it was night and day. Well, you know, something I find interesting about the two of you, I, you know, you both, both had, uh, you know, sex in the city in your background. Yes. Yeah. Whoa. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, let me tell you, working with Michael well, Patrick King, it, it, it was very, it very interesting because you mentioned about throwing something in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, Michael started as an actor. I knew Michael, uh, when uh, I was doing, uh, had a gabbler and a girls' school in Topsbury, New York. I mean, you want to talk about really glamour. But he also, if something happened, like I remember one time um, she walks in with the baby in, the, in, in one of those little carryalls and she puts the baby on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I just looked and I said, What? On the floor? And <laughs> that really wasn't in the script. But Michael loved it. <laughs> and it's true, isn't it? Why would you put the baby on the floor? For God's sake! <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know, and obviously, Michael saw something in you, Josh, because this was what your first TV shot. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I think it was actually. I know it was one of your very early ones, and then you both have done Law and Order as well. I think oh, yes. if you're in New York, you, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, hey, my friend Michael. One of the very first ones I did of Law and Order was with James Earl Jones, and the only two-part one they ever did, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, the New York connection. If you are a New York actor and you don't do Law and Order, I think they drum you out of the city or something. Uh, 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 oh, 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 true words were never said. Hey, my friend Michael Danola, a very talented actor, has done the trifecta. He's very. Oh, I know Michael. Three different. Yeah. He's a, he's like a brother to me, as they say. Uh, three different yeah. characters, three different uh, um, of the uh, series. Three, uh, right. you know. Uh, I tell you, it's meat and potatoes for you folks, right? Yeah, I've done all three. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Go, you, go ahead. Yeah. I think Lynn's, Lynn, you've done. Well, I know you've done two. Have you done all three of no, them? No, I've done all of them. You've done all of them. Every one of them. Yeah, I've done all of them, and all of them more than once. In yeah, fact, I just like got a, doing one. A 90 day rule or 180 day and, rule? Yeah. And sh- I did Chicago Med, which is also Dick Wolf, and I did it in uh, Chicago. I did a woman, I, you, can, you can take this out of the air if you want to, who um, was in the hospital because she was an old lady, because she had gonorrhea, but she loved getting it, so she didn't care. 
So now look, so you may you may want to take that out. I don't know. No, but that's, in, that's in. That's in. That's in. That's golden. That's Come golden. On. Yes. <laughs> so I've got to ask each of you because Lynn, you keep doing this. You keep doing this, Josh. You just get you know bigger and better. What is the greatest gift that acting gives each of you? Uh, wow. I'll let you go I, first, Josh, because you know. Uh, okay. <laughs> so. I guess it's um, maybe just to be completely emotionally, to live completely and emotionally full. Because, you know, in my life, I think I've unfortunately cut myself off from certain things because of, you know, whatever happened earlier. So I, I really honestly didn't allow myself to feel, you know, as much love as I probably could have or, or happiness. Now, I mean, obviously... I've, I'm worked on that, and I'm a very happy and loving person. But you take a character, and you have to be something that you're you, you don't do every day, and you get to do it for on stage or in a film or on TV. Mm-hmm. And I walk away from from some of these uh, jobs just thinking how lucky I am that I get to experience that. And, and and it's not you know it didn't happen to me necessarily in real life, and I get to have that. So I think just that that's kind of my first run pass at the the uh, question. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more. Oh, well, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense, Josh. Yeah. And w- what about for you, Lynn? In in what respect? What the greatest gift that acting has given you and gives you. I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Look, at, I live with a man. I live with a man who's an artist, who's a genius, who's the most, also a wonderful actor and a writer, and the most generous, giving human being the world uh, would ever have. And it, I, I, I grew up as an only child and a very shy child. And somehow, when I acted, I was not alone anymore. Oh. And um, I could open my mouth and talk. And, of course, now my husband wonders, why can't she shut her mouth? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, um, it's it, I, I always say, well, I don't know. It's too hard and it takes time. But you know what? It's what I was meant to do. Well, I think everybody listening and everybody needs, what they are meant to do is to go to either Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, or Vimeo. And watch both of you in All in Time. <laughs> All right. Good and, deal. And then, I like that. Piece. And then, hey, go, go to VOD yeah. to see Lynn in the pickle recipe, too. Have you seen her oh in that yet, Josh? No. Is this going? I just got back to New York yesterday. Oh, my God. Yeah, my, 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 my co-star was a pickle. I knew it would come to this. Yeah. I don't know my life yet. Right? <laughs> so there you go. It's you're the, thank you guys so much for uh, you, you. You're both so smart. It's, a oh, pleasure. I, I can't thank both of you enough. This has been a real pleasure, and I hope that you'll come back on the show again. Well, just ask. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Lynn. Okay. Thank you, Josh. Okay, God bless. Thank Take you care. so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Lynn. Bye, Lynn. And that was Josh Burrow and Lynn Cohen. Cool. cool they didn't. People. They didn't need us. No, no, no. They could do the show they on their didn't, own. They didn't need us. So let's see. Should we do? Well, let's talk about Barry and Roe for a minute while Brian brings up his Star Wars countdown. Um, fine, fine. What do you need to know? Uh, the Barry and Roe. Talk show. about. Tell people about Barry and okay. Roe since you weren't here before to talk about it. The Barry and Roe show yes. is a short film about uh, America's most dysfunctional show business couple, the stars and uh, and basic. Uh, driving wheel behind the hit variety show in the early 70s, The Barry and Rose Show. And in fact, this is an idea that my pal Mike Olson came up with a number of years ago that he wanted to do as a weekly live performance where people would come in and be sort of portraying guest stars of the era, you know, impersonating like the likes of uh, Woody Allen, who who Mm -hmm. knows, but whomever would have been on the show at that point in time. It was inspired by the Sonny and Cher show which suggested that 
this lovely singer and actress. It was saddled with this kind of uh, uh, this this guy who was a producer. And uh, but what we did to change it up was Mike said, well, Barry would be a comedian who had had a career in film, but had kind of basically screwed the pooch. He had de- he had ruined his career, and now he's bounced back as uh, part of this husband and wife team. So we decided to do this as a kind of a pilot, mm. an attempt to sort of show, uh, you know, proof of concept of how these these characters could work, and a behind-the-scenes thing in the uh, realm of Gary Shandling's uh, mm-hmm. Uh, TV show, the Larry Sanders show, yeah. and also uh, we wanted to make a few nods to my favorite year, one of my favorite films, which is about essentially about what went on b- behind the scenes in the fifties at your show of shows, the Sid Caesar uh, program. Mm-hmm. So, with all these ideas in mind, we put together a pilot, and we said, you know, let's do a short film. And the short film essentially is Barry and Roe attempting to shoot a promo for the second season of their hit show while their marriage is falling apart. We found wonderful performers. Oh, and then all your production design, your wardrobe, fabulous! It's all period perfect. Thank you. And Jordan Leibowitz, but the the movie has won a couple of awards: best Mm -hmm. ensemble at the L.A. Independent Film Festival, and we again we found terrific actors. And Jordan Leibowitz, our director, wanted to shoot this thing straight on using 70s style television camera lens and coloring and then have a super eight making of look to the cutaways. Mm-hmm. And this is, it's incredibly effective. And just a yeah. quick shout out to our cast, uh, Jeff Richards from Saturday night live, who was a featured performer on the show and was drunk girl. For those of you who may <laughs> remember his character with uh, Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon on weekend update, um, Whitney Rice, a, a rising YouTube star, uh, incredibly, talented actress who was also in The Last Tycoon, uh, the uh, wonderful drama uh, that I hope got a full order on Amazon and is, in fact, uh, based on the last novel by F. Scott uh, Scott Fitzgerald. Uh, Earl Skakel, uh, who is one of the Roast Battle luminaries. He's been on uh, TV as part of Roast Battle and has also done some voice work on Comedy Central. And John Murray, Bill Murray's little brother who had been in Moving Violations and Scrooge and does voice work. Uh, And so these four actors agreed to do the thing. Jordan shot it and Mike Olson and I couldn't have been more proud. And we just had our Northern California premiere at the Napa Valley Film Festival. Mm -hmm. And I got a text from Jordan saying that it went really, really well. Uh, Great audience response. I couldn't be more uh, proud and happy. And, uh, you know, we're going to see where it goes. Well, I, and any festival it's in, people need to check it out because I think it's hilarious. It's dark. It's dark. Which is why I like it. <laughs> the Barry and Rose Show. Thank you. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for addressing um, my little baby. I love that. I love it. Now, Brian. Brian. Yes, we are running out of time here, so I'll do it really quickly. Well, uh, just remember that, you know, never mind. Go ahead. No, I know. We got about a minute overlap. Yeah, so yes. you, you got about two minutes. Including this that I'm cutting out. Uh, well, this conversation. Okay, yes, okay. Intr- introduce <laughs> me. <laughs> and now, the moment everybody waits for. I know our colleague Michael Sandoval waits for this every week. The Star Wars countdown. Again, I don't look at this countdown until we start the program because I like to be surprised. And today is no exception. We are 31 days away from Rogue One. And again, the same concerns that I have that I uh, that I told you last week is that I can't buy tickets yet. And around this time already for Star Wars Episode Seven last year, I already had my tickets. So Disney, hurry it up! I want to know where I'm going to sit on Thursday night when I call off of work the next day, Friday. I need to know. Stop giving me these anxiety attacks. I, I want my ticket. And I want it now. Wow. wow, we know what the real Death Star is now, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> And uh, Star Wars Episode Eight doesn't come out for another 395 days, so that one. And how many hours? Uh, hours. Okay, the hours on this oh, one uh, is 12 hours on Rogue One and 12 hours, I guess, on the same. Well, they're both the same. Yeah, okay. Maybe 12 hours. Uh, well, we got, we got in Star Wars Countdown. We did. Which is so important. Michael was uh, Brian was very excited when I told him that oh my god they already had the advertisements for the for the jumbo size Rogue One popcorn buckets in the AMC theaters. So you know that that's a must, and un- we're out of time again. How does this keep happening? Did you have fun? I did. Thank you for having me over. 
Oh, anytime. My pleasure. It's just such a schlep for you. Oh, I know. But I dug it. We're in we're in Southern California where the sun always shines and And we're in Whittier, the home, the birthplace of Richard Nixon. Richard M. Nixon, a good Republican. One of the best foreign foreign policy presidents. So and my cousin. Oh my god. <laughs> and on that revelation, that's all the time we have today. I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. Thank <laughs> you.